Welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series, brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance. Discussing your life as a medical coder, offering coding tips and advice for coding students and professionals. Join us every Wednesday. Hello, this is Jennifer McNamara, and welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast. Our program is brought to you from your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, and our goal, as always, is to bring you timely industry topics in the field of health information management, as well as tips for work-life balance. If you're a first-time listener, we thank you for listening, and of course, if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And please, please, please check out our website, www.lifeisacoder.org. You can listen to episodes, look at our blog, and so much more. Our disclaimer is that our podcast is not to be taken as legal or professional advice. This podcast is based on my 19 years of experience in the coding and billing industry, and my goal is to share with you what I've learned and why I love this industry. Today, we have a very special episode. We have an interview of one of my favorite people, Bettina Hine. Bettina is a serial tech entrepreneur, and she is the founder of Pixability. This is a text-to-speech software that lives on in all of your Android phones and a lot of car navigation systems. She did this, of course, right out of graduate school, and she sold it for $125 million. She is an amazing female entrepreneur, and I'm so pleased that I get the opportunity to interview her today. I'm just so excited. She is a shark on the Swiss TV version of Shark Tank, and she has also received numerous awards like the 2018 Immigrant Entrepreneur of the Boston Business Journal, 40 Under 40 Award, so great, and now is so exciting to bring her on and talk about Julie. This is an AI-powered health app startup that really helps people with chronic health conditions, and as everybody knows, I'm all about healthcare and and talking about those chronic conditions when I talk about risk adjustment. So it's very intriguing to me, something that I, of course, am personally interested in. So this is amazing. It dives right into the data, um, into your smartphone or other wearables that you have, and who of us does not have a wearable, right? So um, some of the things we're gonna talk about, of course, is how this technology can improve healthcare, the importance of making this more accessible to people, and of course, um, of course, her history, her experience uh, as an entrepreneur, and I'm just so excited um, to get everyone, of course, introduced to Bettina. I am so excited to have you on the show, Bettina. Welcome to the show. I want to introduce uh, my new friend, uh, Bettina Hine. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on, Jennifer. Well, I'm so glad we got introduced. Uh, I like to have special guests in the show to showcase those that are in the healthcare space and give us a little bit more about what else in healthcare we can take advantage of. So I'm interviewing you today. So I want to learn more about you specifically. So tell me about yourself and how you got into the field you're in. So I am a lifelong tech entrepreneur. And your listeners are going to think like, what the hell is she doing on this medical coding podcast? <laughs> um, but um, I just started a year and a half ago, uh, a healthcare company in digital health, and we help people manage their chronic conditions. Um, we currently cover asthma, chronic pain, migraine, depression, and bipolar disorder, going to add RA next and some other autoimmune conditions. 
And what we do is we uh, have this app, you can log on to it and um, we give you all the information about your condition. And I guess the reason I'm on here is that you're also, Jennifer, you're, you've become an entrepreneur. And, uh, and so um, I have, you know, done tech companies all of my, my career. I've raised funding for them. My first company I raised $8 million for and sold it for $125 million. My second I raised $28 million for, and it's in the process of, of <clears throat> will probably get sold within the next uh, year or so. And now I'm on to, to Julie, where I'm still at the beginning. And uh, I think if anybody out there of your listeners is, is thinking about doing their own thing, hopefully I can give a few tips. That's excellent, Bettina. You know, it's so inspiring to see uh, people like yourself who have done something so amazing uh, with, with your entrepreneurship. I have that same vibe, that same bug in me, which is why, of course, I, a lot of people ask me why I made the switch to working for my, for myself. And it is a scary thing, right? I mean, it's a scary thing. If you have been um, an employee at one point in your life and you're thinking, okay, I want to do more, I want to reach out and I want to make a difference. And most of us that work in the healthcare space, whether it's, you know, medical coding or it's, of course, physicians, nurses, or even in the tech space, we want to provide something that's going to help people. And so what is it about your new adventure that you think is so beneficial for the healthcare space uh, at this time? Well, maybe just uh, another quick background. Um, I come from a healthcare family. My father's a physician. My aunt and uncle are physicians. My mother and grandmother were pharmacists. And um, yeah, all my girl cousins are um, pediatric nurses, physical therapists. Just my brother and I are the black sheep in the family. So um, he became a banker. Uh, and I became a tech entrepreneur. So I have to redeem myself here with, with Julie. And it's so much fun to have this mission-driven company and to just help with what I soaked up, you know, all through my life through osmosis uh, from my dad and other people, my family about how healthcare works and how actually people need more access to healthcare than the current system is giving them and need to, there needs to be more data brought into the system. Um, and, you know, I was reading all about, you know, <clears throat> that you love the ICD-10 and, uh, you know, we bring all of this medical uh, information specifically from electronic health records into Julie plus smartphone data, plus connected devices and smartwatch data, weather data, other environmental things like air pollution and humidity and things like that. And then we tie that all together with, with patient reported data. And so we can help people show them their triggers and show them their, their levers. And yeah, I came to it because, um, you know, I had to experience or I'm still experiencing a, a chronic condition myself and my co-founders as well um, in, you know, in my company, they either themselves or one of their immediate family has to deal with these uh, things. It's 
It's a common experience, like 60% of Americans have a chronic condition. I totally, totally, I just, I'm loving everything that you're talking about because it's, it's really my passion is, and like you said, you found it because of my love for ICD-10 and, um, and a lot of people I talk to, we feel the same in coding. We feel like there's just been this, uh, this obvious like push for procedure coding because in our world with reimbursement, procedure codes do drive reimbursement, but there has been this decline in, um, some thinking that ICD-10 or the diagnosis is just an administrative thing. And Mm. it's really the backbone of reimbursement um, and patient care. If you don't document, like documentation has been huge right now, huge push for documentation because without the proper documentation, how can you justify what you're about to do for the patient? How can one provider who sees a patient then justify, I'm going to refer you to this physician. How is that physician going to really have the full picture of what needs to happen to that patient, especially in a chronic care management situation where they have to help manage these conditions, whether you're PCP to specialist and how are they going to manage those conditions unless they know the full picture. So um, I'm really excited about what you do uh, to make all of those things work, <laughs> um, to make that data come alive because it's so important. So, um, you know, I'm so excited to, to, to learn more about this um, device. So maybe tell me a little bit more about the device itself. Well, just to hark back to what you just okay. said, um, there the issue right now is also the reimbursement for digital things. So I'm working right now really closely with the AMA. I'm with I have an advisor there. I have two advisors actually who work on the committee for digital payments, digital reimbursements. Um, that is such a, a big gap in what is happening right now, what, how people's lives are, right? We use smartphone apps for everything, but why don't we use them for our managing our own health? And uh, the reason is it's not getting reimbursed. And so that is holding back access for millions of people to chronic care management and other types of, you know, digital therapeutics. And that's, you know, something that, that people need to advocate for um, to allow, uh, to make sure that insurers and employers reimburse this really important new segment that is, you know, in the pandemic has become even more important. Oh my goodness. Yes, I totally agree. And that's the thing I've got a lot of um, consultants and people like yourself with not just your product, but other types of products and other specialties that have different functions or different reasons that they bring them about. And it's, it's always about the reimbursement because, you know, it does cost to provide services, right? I mean, it's not, we do want to take care of the patients, but we do understand there is a financial burden that comes along with it. And so to get these things approved, yes, there is uh, a reimbursement aspect to it. So that's the vital piece um, and I, I hear so many people asking me, like, you know, um, can we just get rid of this whole system? And it's like, no, <laughs> it's not going away. We have to deal with it. We have to take what we know about reimbursement in this country and realize that this country has a different system maybe than another country. I don't know if you've, if you've talked to other, other countries, but healthcare reimbursement is so different um, internationally. And so- yeah trying to bring these tech companies from other countries that want to come in, they want to understand, right? They want to understand how we do things. So what has been your experience? Have you had 
experience um, explaining how things work in this country versus how you could promote that to other countries? So my, so Julie focuses on the U.S. healthcare market, but I'm originally from Germany um, and my husband is Swiss. So I've seen the healthcare systems there uh, at work and at least the Swiss system is a lot simpler than uh, the U.S. system. Like coders don't really exist. There's like an assistant in, in the office of uh of a doctor that just does um does everything like you know welcoming people to the waiting room doing that um i mean there's let's say the job of coding right but it's not like um i mean it's it's so amazing like what the specializations are that you guys do um and the question to me is yes how much of that can be made easier, right? How much uh, of that can um, be, um, let's say, made easier also for what you do? Because there is, you know, my dad's a doctor, right? And, And there's so much money that he loses because of like the sand and the gears in the system and what he has to write off. Um, because there are certain things that you know, are too, too difficult. Um, and then you just say, it's not worth getting reimbursed or running after this money because it's more expensive to pay the people that help me to do it than to, to um, get that. And that's wrong, right? hundred um, percent. Yes. I'm, I'm with that, you. That's, that's so wrong. So I think that um, technology in healthcare has to catch up uh, not only with how other people in the world are doing it, but with how things are done in other industries, there is potential for um, doing this in a more efficient way that will benefit everybody in the system, the patients, the doctors, the insurers. Um, and yeah, it's, it's like, it's a Herculean effort and I don't know how that will completely happen, but for example, on my end of the equation, right, with FIRE, the Fast Healthcare Interoperability Resource Standard with HL7 is allowing um, healthcare entities uh, to communicate their data, right? They're setting up Epic and Cerner are um, have to be able to open up their data. People um, have to be able to access their data patients yes. through the portals of their healthcare systems. And um, that's what Julie is actually based on because this data is now becoming available with this fire standard. We can pull in that data and give patients an overview of like, how is this thing that I'm doing in my daily life? Like, how does that map to what's my electronic health record? And, um, and I think this kind of, that, this happening is inevitable. And I just wish as an entrepreneur, as entrepreneurs always do, that it would go faster. This oh, yes. Yeah. We always get impatient, right? We're like, we know this is, is beneficial. It can help so many people, but we're kind of stuck behind the waiting game, like the process and being strategic, right? <laughs> Making sure we do the right things at the right time. I'm totally for that. And, you know, I mean, I'm a firm believer that uh, privacy laws are there for a reason, but there's also a really benefit to allowing patients to have access. 
I know it, it's kind of a scary thought um, because of the world we've been in when with so much about privacy and HIPAA and all that, but now it's become more, we need to take care of our patients. We need them involved too. So yes, you know, maybe the average patient doesn't, isn't a doctor. They don't know all the ins and outs of medical terminology and the, the body systems and all that, but there are some things that they need to be involved in, right? They need to be able to um, see that information and see what's happening to their information. Um, so we can help them. And I'm totally for that. You know, you mentioned ICD-10 and um, that's what I'm focused on now is, you know, routinely I've been focusing on the helping students pass certification exams. That was kind of where my education platform began, but um, because risk adjustment and diagnostic chronic care management is so important, I'm really shifting my gears to educate on making sure that data is accurate. As, mm. as possible. So my focus is now in 2022, I'm really pushing for more people to get into risk adjustment, um, especially those in the clinical field. I want more because a lot of people on the clinical side, they're getting more kind of burnout on the clinical side, but they want, they're maybe at retirement age and they want to kind of switch to the business side. So I'm mm. seeing that as well. A lot of people switching to that. And I think the more people we get with that kind of knowledge, um, helping us collect that data and reporting that data correctly, it's going to filter into things like what you do, right? Like you're collecting that data, um, everything, everyone working together, right. To make sure that is effective. So, um, so what other things would you like to share with us about uh, the future, um, and what you think this, um, will, will do? I'm really excited to put my knowledge that I've gathered in, in, advertising in e-commerce and uh, <clears throat> entertainment, all of those fields into healthcare while assuring that your healthcare care data is safe, right? We put in so many safeguards at Julie to make sure that that's the case. And um, maybe to just give some comfort out there to people that worry about this, which, you know, there is reason to worry. But technology right now is actually doing, making a lot of progress in things like secure machine learning, which means that um, institutions can put their common data in a place where they can't each other see it, but they can do research on it. They can do analysis and thereby help each other out. And helping each other out means you know, more info for the patients, better outcomes, et cetera. But that doesn't mean there's like this black box in between that nobody com- nobody's data is compromised. And, and this is something that's happening in the insurance world uh, a lot. And it's also now happening in the healthcare world. And, and I think that that's uh, important for all of you to know that deal with healthcare data all day long. Um, it's, um, you know, I, I, I'm a technologist, so I believe, you know, technology will, um, <laughs> I know this sounds corny, but technology will save the world. Um, I just, I've been a tech entrepreneur my whole career and that's what, what I'm fighting for, right? Bringing the most innovative things into the market so that people can benefit, you know, not just patients, right? You're not, no, you're not every minute of your day. You're a patient, you're a person. 
Exactly. And, um, and so that's, that's what I want to bring into healthcare, this more holistic thing enabled by technology. I love it. Love it. Love it. I, I, of course, um, the company that I signed on with is a tech company as well, and that I'm working with closely on education. And so I, I love the idea of, of technology being a main focus because there are so many things that we can do with technology that can benefit all areas of healthcare. Um, and I know a lot of, it's funny because a lot of coders come to me, do you think coders are going to go away with all this technology? And I'm a firm believer that we're not going anywhere. They're still going to need a person behind this to make it work, right? You still need a human brain behind everything. So like I say, we're not going anywhere. We just need to learn to adapt. And so I always tell people, you know, don't get stuck in your bubble and think that you're always going to have to do this role. Take what you already know and watch how the industry changes and change with it. Because if you don't, you're going to become obsolete. And yes, those that have that drive that want to stick with healthcare and follow it, they're going to be the ones moving forward and you're going to be behind. And so we don't want that to happen, right? We want to move forward with, with technology and move forward with healthcare. I'm sure you would agree with the same, same concept. Absolutely. Yes. You know, AI and and machine learning is my career, but it's nothing to be scared of if you're doing exactly what you just said, Jennifer. And by the way, kudos to you. It's amazing what you're doing for, for the field. I'm so impressed uh, that this journey that you're going on. Um, yeah, I, I want to encourage the listeners out there, you know, become a Jennifer, do your own thing, become an entrepreneur. We need more female entrepreneurs out there. We need people that have that drive. So if you feel that spark in yourself, um, I just want you to encourage you to do it. Well, thank you so much, Bettina. And before we, we close out um, this conversation, I do want to ask you, what platforms are you available on? Um, and then where what platforms are you using to pr- promote this product, you know, conferences or upcoming events that we could find you at? All right. Well, so I'll be at HLTH, uh, which is a healthcare conference in Boston. Um, oh, gosh, I don't know when you publish this, but it's next week. Um, you can find us on julie.co. That's J-U-L-I.co. We also have a clinical trial running where, you know, if you're hearing this and you have either depression or asthma, we'd love to pull you into that trial um, and try out our product. It's on the App Store. If you have an iPhone, anybody can download it. Uh, and try it out. And I'd be super grateful for any feedback that you might have. Absolutely. I know our listeners would love to help you out because it's a great thing you're doing. And of course, like you mentioned, female entrepreneurs, supporting female entrepreneurs is really a great thing because we have a lot to offer and we're, we're so excited to, um, to sh- share this episode with everyone. And we hope that it's, it's received well and it will really help everyone um, that needs this type of, uh, of product in their life, which I think more people do. So thank you, Bettina, for joining us. And I wish great things for you. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Life as a Coder podcast series brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. It helps us share the show with other coders, students, and professionals just like you. Come back every Wednesday for a new episode. 
We'll catch you then. Project Resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Be sure to reference this podcast when you place your order.